Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Pagans Tonight Radio Network, the voice of the pagan world. Pagans Tonight is sponsored by Witchschool.com, your anyone, anytime, anywhere magical education. It's a Wednesday night. I don't know. That means it's time possibly for Raise the Horns Radio when I get around to this show. My name is Jason. I blog at a place called Raise the Horns. And I run this imaginatively titled radio slash podcast show called Raise the Horns. I'm supposed to broadcast two times a month. Lately, it's been like once a month. And I'm really super sorry for that. I've just been super busy. You know what that's like. You've probably also been super busy because, you know, our lives are super busy. But I was finishing a book. So excited about it. It's going to be called The Five Mysteries of Witchcraft or something, and it will be out in about a year. So you have something to look forward to over the next 13 months until my book is out. Speaking of my books, my second and a half book, because I co-wrote it with somebody, Laura Templis Zakroft is the person I co-wrote it with, our book, The Witch's Altar, will be out in November, and you can actually pre-order it on Amazon right now. It's very exciting. It's, it's, I still have these like little weird pinch me moments. Like, oh my God, they let me write a book. What is wrong with these people? They let me put my name on a book and then they're going to send it to stores. And I'm going to end up making dozens and dozens and dozens of dollars on it. So, you know, the pagan publishing world is big. It's really, really big. So there's that. Good to be here. I've got some scotch lined up. I've got a fabulous guest tonight. It's one of my favorite people in the entire world. I mean, you know, there's billions of people in the world. Genia T. Beachy is in my, like, top 100 people in the world. So it's really very, very good, I think. Isn't, that, isn't it good? I mean, that's it's good. pretty good. Top 100. It's I mean, very good. I mean, considering, you know, there's family that has to be in there, right? Mm-hmm. You know, you know, people maybe you went to school with. Top 100 mm-hmm. was, was really good. I, mean, I feel I good about that. I have 2,500 Facebook friends. So, I mean, top 100 of that is pretty good. And I've even met some of those people. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. It's true. So, how are you, Jenya? It's so good to talk to you. It's been, I haven't seen you like in almost a month. Um. Everything is going very well and also super busy like you. I, you know, my book is just out. And so I am heading into the time of appearances and festivals and doing a lot of traveling in support of the book. And uh, as you know, that is, uh, takes up a lot of time. And money. It's a lot of money. It's like not even equal to what you'll make on the book, which, you know, I hope I don't make you cry. <laughs> Uh, no, I, I was warned ahead of time, but, but you know, the way that I look at it, I am, I, I, I consider myself a teacher who also wrote a book rather than a writer who teaches occasionally. So that works out well for me because, um, the book is sort of a, uh, 
consolidation of the things that I felt were most important to put out there as a spiritual journey, a spiritual path or working. And so when people get the book, they know what my ideas are. They know what my policy is. (laughs) They know (laughs) that, um, that that's the kind of stuff I'm going to teach. And so if, if reading the book helps people on their individual journeys or helps them to know that they would like me to help them on their individual (laughs) journeys, then we're golden. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I I think for me, I've always thought of myself as just sort of like a a gadfly who talks a lot first and then maybe a lecturer (laughs) and then a writer last. Mm -hmm. So we've got a lot of things to talk about tonight because we've got the book. We've got all the things that you're going to be doing, the teaching um, festivals, processes and stuff start at the beginning. What is the secret country of yourself. You knew I was going to ask that. So, well, I'm glad you asked me that because I have a very good answer. But did you know that I wrote a book? You could read my book and find out all the answers. I've read to your, your book, but, my, but people have probably <laughs> not. <laughs> uh, so funny. Okay. Um, so, the secret country of yourself, essentially, the, the simplest version of it is that the secret country of, of yourself is your personal internal landscape. So a lot of people, especially pagans, come to, um, as a part of their training, are taught to go to this place. We come to this, the happy place, the safe place, the, the place of ease and, and comfort in our meditations. And then from there, we move out into connection with deity or other spirits or or it could be anything depending on your path but a lot of paths have sort of that place what's what's the beginning place and so when i was along my own path of the past 30 years i worked a lot with the idea of that safe place with that sanctuary and it became clear to me after a while that the sanctuary uh, wasn't the only place. And it was, there were other places there that I had not been led to yet that were calling out for exploration. So to, so to put it succinctly, the secret country of yourself is that space inside of you where your dreams and your visions come from, where your psychic hits come from, where your ideas come from. You know, if you're sitting on the bus and you notice somebody who's just kind of staring blankly off into space, they're probably in their secret country <laughs> in that moment <laughs> doing, doing whatever. Um, so that's, that's basically the gist of it is that it's this, this internal place where you can purposefully engage with things in your life that you have either found challenging or beautiful or abundant or difficult. And you can, explore those places and those ideas and those relationships in a way that you might not be able to in what I like to call the shared reality. The waking world, mundania. No, the world isn't really that. <laughs> I agree. Now, the world is not mund- at all. It, th- this is a really unique book. You know, I mean, I get Llewellyn sends me all their books. Wiser sends me all their books now. I mean, and a lot of them are just sort of like how-to pagan books and that sort of thing. 
is this even a pagan book? I mean, it, it is really sort of a different thing that could be applied to a lot of different spiritualities. Yes, absolutely. It could be. And, you know, I, when I was writing the book, found was that, you know, there, there are, are already a lot of books that are ready to take you into um, however people want to define it, whether it's a location on the astral plane or the overworld or the underworld. And it's very well defined and there's already a map and, you know, they, they, they encourage you to follow the map and go to the places that are, you know, sacred to their particular mm-hmm. worldview. And what I found was that all of that is awesome and all of that is very trad specific. And so what I'm doing here is creating something that is not at all trad specific. And in fact, it's not even really important to me whether you're a theist or an atheist or a polytheist or any of those things, because anything that you already have in your spiritual life, you bring it into the secret country so that when you come into a connection with a, a God or some other spirit there, it's like you come into it with the, the, the rituals and the, the way of connecting that you have developed in the shared reality. So absolutely a person who was Christian could work with these ideas. A person who is, you know, Hindu, a person who is, you know, completely non-religious, you know, you could work with the whole book as a psychologist and just inviting people to move into these places in themselves and to connect with these, uh, you know, with the shadow house and with the school and the temple and, and through all of these things, develop a deeper understanding of their psychological self. I mean, I can see Buddhists working with it pretty easily. I think a lot of Christians would have difficulties just because a lot of them have their heads up their asses. But I didn't say that out loud. I don't really have to worry about it because they're probably not listening to the show. I love that. There's like a freedom that doesn't happen with writing. <laughs> yeah. Um, Agreed. So, well, well, they would have to be pretty progressive Christians. Yeah. But I mean, it's, but it really, it's, you know, uh, reading it, it's something that could be applied to a lot of different spiritualities. So I, you know, you have to be pretty progressive and open, I think. Mm-hmm. I've read kind of a criticism of the book online and I don't, they haven't even read the book, but a friend of mine had, had posted a quote from your book, you know, and this person posts mm-hmm. quotes from uh, Starhawk and lots of other inspirational people. So, I mean, I was like, wow, Genya, kick ass, you know, because <laughs> he's never quoted me. And um, so he's a part of a book group and the person in charge of the book group was like, is this a self-help book? I don't want to do self-help books in our reading group. Is it? And I was like, it's not a self-help book. It's just not a Wicca 101 book, you know, or, you know, a, a Wicca book or something or a witchcraft book. But then I, I thought, wow, what a great question. Is this a self-help book? Um, you could help yourself by working through this book. If you chose to, right? I mean, the, I I feel like the thing that that separates what I'm doing from a quote unquote new age, quote unquote light worker, quote unquote 
self-help is that there is an understanding that there's a deeper foundation to all of these things and that there is it's self-knowledge that is the key that opens all of the doors and i don't promise anything i'm not telling people to you know work this program and you'll be healed but i can say if you work through this book you are sure to know yourself way better at the end than you did at the beginning. And if that helps yourself, then yes, <laughs> it's a <laughs> self-help book. Um, but, you know, personally, I've, I, I have been uh, out of reading self-help books and or pagan books for a while um, because I'm not – it's like I, I want that something new. I want that something that is – that is fresh and a different idea and a different way of approaching it. And so this is what came through me as I was engaging with that stuff. But I will say that I did read your book, Jason. Which one? Which one? Yours was the, the Athena one. <laughs> oh my gosh. So many books. I know. There's like two. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> yes. The Athena book. Well, that's because you were in there. I mean, you had to. You were, like, well, legally obligated to read it. You were in there twice. Yes, that's true. I mean, And I was so pleased. I was, and I was so thankful because I had, like, nothing to say. So anytime <laughs> I, anybody else could write something, that was less than I had to do. Also, I think you were the last thing I, in the book, really, almost, just because yeah. I, like, yeah. I like your writing. It's just, it's just different. You know, I mean, it is, it's more personal and stuff. You come, I I adore you. A lot of people who are guests on the show, people who listen to the show know that they're friends of mine and stuff. And, you know, Jenny is in a ritual, you know, she and I are in a ritual together in two or three weeks or whatever. Mm -hmm. I mean, we've known each other for seven years now. I think we're, we're really different practitioners and your background is extremely different than my own. You know, just reading the introduction of your book when, you know, you were, you know, acknowledging that you were influenced by Seth Speaks. And I'm like, holy shit, Snacks, you were influenced by Seth Speaks? And, you know, so <laughs> it's really it's different. So I, I yes, want to talk about very different. Some of, I want to talk about uh, some of your influences, especially on, you know, I like talking about fairy because it's very fascinating to me. But in a lot of places, it's just not a thing like it is on the West Coast. So it is yes. sort of a different place. Yes. And I think the challenge about fairy trad in general is that for each person who is practicing it, at least for the the prominent teachers of the trad, they all have a very, very individual approach. And so when I was teaching within the tradition, what I was teaching was, you know, it was 180 degrees from what Storm Fairy Wolf is teaching. And, you know, Storm is amazing. He's an incredible magician and he has incredible teachings. I'm so glad that he wrote a book. He's writing another book about fairy trad, Um, but he has a very, very ceremonial approach. And my approach was more like, let's go play with some dirt (laughs) and see if we meet any, any spirits. Um, So, so yeah, I'm much, I've always been much looser about, the trappings um, than maybe other people have. And when I first met other witches in when I moved to California, 
um, the first witches that I met were a group of very eclectic folks, but there were at least two of them, including the person that I was in relationship with, um, who were Gardnerian. And so I, I was sort of, that was kind of my doorway to public witchery was the, the Gardnerian, you know, the beginning, well, you know, Calgard. He was going to say, there's, there's some issues there. <laughs> we won't talk about so, them too much. They already don't like me, but that's, that's cool. Okay. All right. Cool. So anyway, there was, um, you know, that was sort of my introduction to working with other human beings. And, and there was a lot of beauty in that. And also, I, I was actually able to remember large chunks of things at that time in my young life, um, you know, and, and I still admire that sort of, um, you know, that sort of approach where people, they, we were talking about this a couple of weeks ago, everybody turns in the same direction, everybody holds the same hand up, everybody does the other thing with their other hand, and it's very, um, it's very practiced, and it's very graceful, and it's very effective, and also, I just know that's not, that's not <laughs> yeah. my way. That's not how I do it. So you moved out to California and found witchcraft. Did you think of yourself as a witch before the move? And I guess it's also important to kind of recognize that you, like me, spent a lot of time in the American South. So, you know, we have a little bit of uh, sweet tea within us still, I think. <laughs> But now we have sweet tea vodka, so that's oh, better no. than what we had when we were children. No. <laughs> well, <I'm yeah>. <laughs> Would be. Uh, so when I, I first, um, you know, frankly, I first became interested in witchcraft when I was in like, I mean, witchcraft by the name of witchcraft when I was in like middle school. And that was because I had moved a bunch of times when I was a kid and I was always the new kid and everybody was always picking on me. And I was, um, I was a very sensitive child and I got super angry and I was like, how can I hurt these fuckers? (laughs) And (laughs) if we're being, we're being honest with each other. So that was my first, uh, interest in witchcraft like what can I do to make my life better and also make other people's lives worse and um, that didn't work out very well you know I didn't really dig into it far enough to uh, you know start with any bad workings or the like which I'm grateful for now because I feel like I could have gotten myself into a bunch more trouble than I did Um, but by the time I was in high school, I was reading Spiral Dance. And then I was like, oh, this is an actual thing that actual people do. And, and California is the actual place where all of it is happening. I had done a self-dedication, and I had, I had talked to one other human on the planet about witchcraft and being Wiccan. And she was very supportive and very lovely about it. And so in... Uh, well, it wasn't because of her, but anyway, it was just nice to talk to another person about it. And Was The Spiral Dance your first book then? Uh-oh. 
We've lost. We've lost the signal. No. I can't hear Jenya. Don't know if she can hear me. This is problematic. It's one of those things, you know, live radio, seat of your pants, you never know exactly what's going to happen, and apparently we are there right now, not knowing what's going to happen, and there it is, I've lost a Jenny, that's what's going on, it's okay, I am sure that she will be back in just a second, apparently her headset died, I just assumed it was me, I always assume it's me, so while I wait for the return of our guest, Jenny Beachy, I thought I would talk a little bit about a friend of mine who wrote an article called Things That Ruin Occult Podcasts, and I thought we would check in to see if I'm doing all of those things and ruining this podcast for all of you, my listeners out there. So thank you, Matt Oren, for reminding me of these things. So the first thing Matt says that annoys him about podcast hosts is that the interview insists on flaunting their knowledge of a subject instead of allowing the guest to discuss the subject they were invited on the show to discuss. I'm going to hope that I don't do that mostly because I don't really know anything. So I don't have a whole lot of knowledge to flaunt unless, unless you just want to have a long history talk. That's about all I can do. So I think I'm safe there when the interviewer has no knowledge of the subject or, or the guest or the guests work. I usually know people. I think I usually know everybody who's been on the show. I have had a couple of guests that I thought were going to be really great guests, and then they just don't like to talk. So that is difficult. That's not really on me. That doesn't mean that I was ill-prepared. Number three, the host is boring as hell. I don't think I'm boring. I might not be sober, but I'm not boring. There are some interviewers that I completely space out on while listening to because they don't sound excited or engaged with the interviewee or the conversation. You probably shouldn't have a podcast if you don't know how to hold a stimulating conversation. I would say that we all kind of have those moments where things, where we don't seem to have the best conversations, but I think I do okay. I think I do okay. So, continuing Matt's thing, the the interviewer is locked into their mindset, beliefs, or position. This turns podcasts into a one-way conversation. I love hearing about how other people do things. That's probably my favorite thing about this whole show is how other people do things because that, to me, is interesting. So I don't think I'm locked in. This is really good, Matt. This is like a good checkup on myself. The interviewer who wants to go on and on about themselves, taking up most of the time of the interview. I probably do this. I love to talk about me. Did you know I have another book coming out in November and then one after that again in February? Ooh, I could talk about me for hours, but I won't. At least I probably won't. 
And sweet, I seem to have Jenny back. But because I want to finish this whole thing, we're going to finish this stupid, like, how terrible Jason is as a host thing that I'm working on. And then Jenny can chime in and tell me how awful I am. Hosts that don't <laughs> promote the works of their interviewee. I think that that's like one of the whole points of having somebody on, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Authors in particular, according to Matt, tend to be introverted people despite a persona that they're displaying. Do you think that's true for you? Are you naturally introverted? Um, I, I think in every test that I've ever done, I come out half and half. Yeah. I'm actually introverted. Because I, so nobody believes it. <laughs> I, I, I believe it. Yeah. I think you've seen me look awkward before. I have definitely seen you look awkward before. Yeah. I'm my my story is that if I am uh, either on stage or behind a microphone or some in, in some other form separated from a group of people, then I can be entertaining, I can be interesting, and I can be energized by my interactions with people. But if I'm at a party and I'm having conversations with each other, with other people at the party, then that is very hard for me. I, I agree. I think that's the toughest thing. Because, I mean, you get into that role when you're in front of an audience. Mm-hmm. But a party is not an audience. Right. Yeah. And woe to the people who think that the party is an audience. <laughs> uh, those people just because, look like asses. Uh, yes. Yeah. So, we won't tell we won't tell anyone who those people are. Let's see. Then everybody um, already knows who those people are in their own lives. Yeah, and they just probably try to get into the other room. That's always the best bet. <laughs> run away, run away. All right. This is okay. I'm almost done with Matt's list of 11 things. This is great. This was my filler while I lost you. Um, too much music. I don't cool. play music. The interviewer is disrespectful to the guest. I don't think I'm ever disrespectful to the guest. They have multiple guests on speaking at the same time. Not very often, maybe just two or three times. And then they have the guest introduce themselves instead of introducing the guest for everyone else. I probably should do better than that. But I always say the name of the person that I'm talking to. Mm-hmm. So, all right, good. Now that I've gotten so to what that, was that awkward transition. What was, what, <laughs> what was that list? See, uh, Matt, who blogs at Pathios with For Puck's Sake. Oh, For Puck's yes. Sake. He had an <laughs> article th- called uh, Things That Ruin a Cult Podcast. Ah. And I thought about going through the list to see if I'm doing those things. And... I don't think I'm doing most of them, so I'm probably not ruining the podcast, according to Matt. And when I lost you, I had to (laughs) figure out something else, you know, and that seemed like a good thing to talk about. So we were talking. Yeah. Thank you. Thank thank you very much. Thank you. (laughs) So we're talking a little bit about fairy tradition, and you're talking Mm -hmm. about Storm and his books and Storm's uh, Betwixt and Between is a really good book. I really enjoyed it. And I like how you said that he is, you know, very ceremonial because I felt like, wow, he's not really that far off from me. 
I'm very much that mm-hmm. way. But uh, the fairy mm-hmm. tradition, unlike a lot of other traditions, has not ever really had all of its secrets published. Do you ever get concerned as someone who's been initiated into that trad when you see a fairy book come out? Um, <clears throat> I do not because, I, I mean, I know that there are parts of the tradition that different different groups throughout the U.S. have felt were oath-bound material, and some of that stuff has come out in ways that made people very uncomfortable. So you know about the, the quote-unquote schism that happened some time ago, um, which was essentially between the people who felt like fairies should remain a very fam trad sort of thing where you were really had, you know, deep familiarity with every single person that you were engaging with as a teacher versus the folks who felt like these tools are necessary for the transformation of our world. And why would we not share them with as many people as possible? And personally, I can sympathize with the idea that something that an individual has hold very near and dear is being what they perceive as sold to the masses. Um, But at the same time, the tools of the tradition, because they deal so much, some of them at least, deal so much with uh, how we are in the world, how we relate to ourselves internally, and how we relate to the world through this lens of responsibility that more people doing that would be a good thing for the planet. <laughs> so, you know, I think that the tools that are used within the tradition are something that can be very um, helpful to the world at large. At the same time, you know, publishing uh, and what people perceive to be initiatory secrets has obviously been problematic. And to me, it, it seems like the thing about an initiatory tradition, like, you're not all the way in until you're all the way in. Mm-hmm. It relies on everybody's buy-in. You know, if, if, you know, using Gardnerian as an example, if everyone who is a Gardnerian agrees that when you get your third degree, this is, these are your rights and responsibilities. But in fairy tradition, it was never that clear. So, if you were an initiate of fairy tradition, maybe your little group would agree as to what your rights and responsibilities were, but somebody halfway across the country was not going to see it that way. Well, so, fairy is different in that it's not a it's not a tradition of the book. Like, you know, a gardenarian has right. a book of shadows. You know, it's, well, we're right. going to look up how to do this in the book. And fairy was never like that. So, I mean, it's a completely different place. Right. Right. Yeah. And I, I feel like my, my experience, my most intense experience of the current has been completely outside of any of the ceremonial aspects of it. You know, I've been in places where there were 20 or 30 initiates gathered and, and whatever magic was chosen to be done in that moment had nothing to do with the invocations and the way people turned and all of that sort of stuff. It was really about, you know, the personal, personal power that was generated in inside of each practitioner in whatever way they 
felt was most appropriate. I told somebody the other day, like they were talking about secrets or something. And, you know, I said, you could hand somebody a Gardnerian book of shadows, but they, and they could read mm-hmm. the rituals 70 times, but it wouldn't mean anything because it's not about reading the ritual. It's about experiencing the thing that you are experiencing. That to me is, right. you can't put those things into words and we all experience things differently. So my experience, even if right. I'm reading the same words as somebody else, is going to be different from somebody else's experience. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And so that, you know, for me, that was sort of a, um, that recognition of how each person's internal experience is being um, invigorated or denigrated by their outward experiences was kind of what led me to this sort of the amalgamum that became the secret country of yourself. So the idea that if you move into a thing with expectations, then you limit your experience. And if you prioritize other people's experience over your own experience, then, then you're missing something. So it was, you know, it was kind of that, that idea that, um, you know, if you, if you hand somebody a set of keys and they don't know what house or what car or what <laughs> storage unit those things right. belong to, right, you know, they're, they're not going anywhere. They're not living anywhere with those keys. They're just carrying them around as a weight. And if you, if you know where the house is or you know where the car is or you know where the storage unit is, yeah. then uh, even if you don't have the key, you can probably figure out a way to get in. And so it was that, that sort of, you know, outside of expectations, outside of tradition, outside of what might be expected, but also putting a huge amount of responsibility on that individual. Because if you step into a very traditional, more ceremonial uh, ritual, then the words are there for you. The movements are there for you. And you're kind of moving yourself into something that already exists. And if you're doing it from this other perspective, it's like you, you bear the brunt of responsibility for all the things that happen to you and the things that you generate. Um, and both of them are very, very powerful possibilities. You know? And conceivably, you do this work to um, enhance and engage and become more individually responsible. And you take all those things that you've learned and you move into a more ceremonial uh, tradition or style of working. And in that case, then this is just a set of tools to help you get someplace that will support what you're already doing. I mean, I think every witch has sort of a, a public and a private practice. You know, and most most of the books are always about the public practice. Say this and say that. And one thing I think that you're doing is you're writing a book about the private practice and how to have that be a fulfilling thing mm-hmm. and how to really experience that. And so that's different, and I think it's good. Mm-hmm. I'm just giving you compliments. It's not really like a question, I guess. I thought I was like sounding really profound there. Then I realized there was no question at the end, which is bad hosting. I'm sure that's like number 0.12 on Matt's list. 
So one of the things about knowing you and watching you put together this book and Jenya's husband, Matthew, often stays at my house because he works in the same city that I live in. And I would ask him about the book, too, is uh, what was the there was a process to the book. And there were, I think, a few kind of roadblocks on along the way. So what was the process of writing this book like? So the process is because my girlfriend, Sara, was very committed to me writing a book. <laughs> and, mm. and the fact that she had already written a book with Llewellyn, she was like, you know, come on, you need to go meet these people. So I did. And then uh, and I pitched my book at Pecan and I guess 2015 now. And they said, yeah, that sounds cool. Send us a proposal. And I started to put it together and then I freaked out and I stopped because holy shit, <laughs> it's yeah. so uh, uh, like daunting to write a book. So anyway, then you invited me to write something for your book. And when I guess when they got your book, um, Alicia, our uh, editor at Llewellyn sent me a note and said, thanks for your contributions to Jason's book. And by the way, whatever happened to your proposal. And, and I thought, well, this is the moment. I'm either going to write this book or I'm not going to write this book. And so I told her, I will have you a proposal in two weeks, which led to many late nights. A lot of fear. A lot of, yeah, <laughs> a lot of fear. A tremendous amount of fear. Yeah. And uh, so I did it and I sent it to her and turned out liking it. And um it was really, it was difficult because I, I felt like I could either write what was on the top of my head or I could write what was on the bottom of my head and inside my heart. And so there, you know, the challenges were I could write a whole big section and be like, okay, yeah, this is serviceable. And then somebody, usually my husband, would remind me that serviceable was not what we were going for. Um, you know, and that when I'm, when I become willing to engage my heart in what I'm writing, then the writing becomes something that somebody might quote on their Facebook. Um, but if I don't do that, then, um, everything just sort of, you know, kind of cruises along the top of my brain and, and cruises along the top of other people's brains too, and doesn't really sink in. So, um, it was a big challenge to really become willing to say all the things that I felt need to be said. I, I find it interesting, you know, that you would let Matthew read the book and then you had a group of people that were in sort of an early readers club that you asked for feedback from about the book. Mm -hmm. And I found that yes. really fascinating because in my own process, nobody looks at the book and reads it until Alicia does because I'm scared of people criticizing my writing. Uh, <laughs> how, I, this is true. How, how How is that process for you when people do give you criticisms? I mean, it's constructive and they're your friends, but does it ever like wound you? Like, uh, how did you not know what I was saying there? This is so straightforward. <laughs> well, honestly, the people that I asked to be my initial readers were people that I felt like I, I really thought of a lot about who I invited into that group. And I thought, if this person tells you that it isn't good, are you willing to listen to them? 
And that was sort of the criteria. And so I ended up with some people that, you know, some of the smartest people, the most um, well-practiced people, the most ethical people that I know were a part of the early readers group. And, and, and they gave me feedback that was like, I got some feedback that was, you know, kind of, I was like, aw, <laughs> dang, I really love that sentence, <laughs> you know, but, but actually the, the hardest part was when I got my notes back, my first set of notes that came back from Alicia and the team. And, you know, I got five pages of notes and it was just, you know, I was like, holy crap, they're picking, picking it apart like crazy. And I, I got very depressed when that happened because I felt like, you know, I've, I've just been around, I've been around for a long time and I've heard people say many times that they thought my writing was good. They thought I was cool. They thought I was a good talker or whatever. And this was really, I think probably one of the first times that somebody really dug into what I was saying in a way that was like, you know, a book is a permanent thing. You can't just say something and, you know, have it disappear later when you're writing a book. <laughs> you have to say it right the first time and you have to um, expect that not everybody knows you or knows your way of being or will make assumptions based on them liking you or whatever. So, so those notes were very hard. But at the same time, I recognized that once I got into all those places that um, – the book was like light years better than it could have been without that input. So I was really grateful for how intensely they looked into what I was writing. For those of you who don't know, when you send a book into Llewellyn, they read it and they have like eight people read it. And then they all gather in a room and criticize your book together. And then they send you notes <laughs> about what's wrong with your book. And they call them the vision notes. And they're the most horrifying, scary thing to read if you're a writer. Like, <laughs> one time I didn't even get the notes back. I just got a phone call. And it was like, you need to call us. And we need to talk. And it's like, we really hate your book. <laughs> you're going to have to rewrite like 60% of it. You know, and they were right. That's the sad, you know, that's the that's tough thing is that they're almost always right. right. Still, it's painful painful as I'll get out. I like painful. don't look at them for a month yep. after I get them. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, you're not alone. I like I feel like just a worthless shit, you know. It's like I'm just gonna go and, back. But then and, you just keep writing you just keep writing more books. I know. I know. What's your next book gonna be? Uh my next gonna my next book is gonna be don't write a book for a while, just teach and maybe another book will decide to get born out of that. But I don't have plans to write another book right now. So you're, you're teaching a lot coming up. And so I want to talk about some of this. Where? Okay, well, I guess we'll start. Like, What workshops and things are you teaching while you're on the road for the next several months? Not continuously. No pagan author can do that. But Jenny has a lot of things planned. I do know that. Yes, it's true. I am going to be at Pantheacon, um, of course, and I'm going to be doing, uh, well, you know about my Deep Well Great Heart 
work, mm-hmm. um, which has to do with, you know, making wells and filling them full of prayers and water and inviting folks to, because all water is one water, to draw forth those prayers from wherever they are. So I'm doing a, a deep well in the Fairy Haven suite starting on Friday. I'm going to do a ritual around creating that. That will that well will stay up all weekend. And then I am doing a talk at 1 o'clock on Saturday in the Llewellyn suite, which is about the book. And then I'm doing another one at 3 o'clock in the Fairy Haven suite, which is about the book. And then I'm doing a deep well, great heart, bright hearth ritual mm-hmm. on Sunday night. <laughs> and then uh, leaving on Wednesday night to go to Detroit for convocation. And I am doing a presentation there on Sunday morning at 9 a.m., which seems a little early, but okay. <laughs> I know. I always um, put that in there. Like, no, nothing before 11. Nine <laughs> is six specific time. That is not good. Yeah. So it, we'll see how coherent it is, but I think it'll be really good. <laughs> I'm looking forward to bring... <laughs> right. Maybe I should just stay up all night. That's yeah, a really good go. plan. That yeah. um, I'm excited about getting out to the West Coast and Midwest and kind of, you know, being able to make connections with people um, that I haven't been able to before. So I'm going to do convocation in Detroit and then in – March, I'm going to Paganacon in Minneapolis, and after that, I am going to be doing an event at the Eye of Horus in Minneapolis um, on that Monday, which I'm very excited about, and then April, I'm going back to Texas, probably do a signing there, Um, and then in May, I am doing Rites of Spring, (laughs) Yeah, I'm doing uh, INATS and PSG. July, I'm doing Mystic South and Sirius Rising. And I think I'll stay home in April for, I mean, in August for Matthew's birthday. Um, And then we'll see what happens after that. Birthday is an entire month. Jeez, he only needs a day. (laughs) He'll be over here four times drinking all my scotch. (laughs) Like you do. I cleaned up the room he stayed in last night, and there was a tumbler there, and it had scotch left in it, and I was, like, horrified. I'm like, what are you wasting? I hope you, I hope that was the cheap stuff. <laughs> I really do. I hope that was the cheap stuff. So you He likes to been... keep a little glass of medicine next to his bed. I guess, but he didn't finish it, you know, because it was there at noon when I was cleaning up. So uh, you've been to some of these festivals before. Yeah. What, uh, you know, I don't want to ask you what your favorite one is. And it's usually people's hometown festival anyways. But what are some of your thoughts on these, in, especially the indoor festivals? Because I guess this is indoor festival season. Uh, are there any things that you particularly like about them? Or is there anything that you particularly like about specific ones? The thing that I like about the indoor festivals is a, it's a concentration of people. And so you're going to pass by the same people in the hallway. You're going to, you know, be sitting in the same room with another person, think more frequently than the outdoor things. And so it's kind of cool to be able to, you know, see, see the same person over and over again. And especially if you are a, 
not good at talking to other humans in a space like that, you know, just seeing people's faces over and over again is a good sort of motivator to make contact. And, um, and you know, it's temperature controlled <laughs> and there's a bar. So, you know, those things are always good, but, um, but of course, you know, pagan festivals outside are the dream, right? You know, you get to be among like-minded folks and you get Until to be in a place where, <laughs> right. The and then you get Until the concentrated effect. Right. One of the things that you have yeah. done in the past at Pantheon and uh, you know, I've been, I went once and it was a very extremely memorable experience for me is a, a little thing that called the fairy tent revival, which, yes, you know, it's sort of hard to explain, but, uh, you know, just think of a, of, of a bunch of uh, witches in the middle of a Christian revival sort of atmosphere with fans. There's mm-hmm. always lots of fans. Can you tell me like yes. how that came apart? I don't think I've ever asked you that, how that came together. I don't think I've ever asked you that. And it's just such a cool thing. Well, uh, you know, many, many years ago, I was talking about a, a pagan tent revival and I was, you know, it was just the thing that people talk about that sounds kind of funny, but also awesome. And um, at one point, the group that I was working with in San Francisco, a fairy trad group called dust bunnies um, headed by Valerie Walker. were like, you know what? We want to do something at Pantheacon, but it's got to be something totally fucking amazing. How about a tent revival? And so we started putting it together. And the first year was, you know, problematic because we tried to include communion, which wasn't going to work with that many people. Um, but it was it was just the idea that there is this um, robustness to that style of working. There's, you know, that 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 expectation that people are going to call out in the middle of it. And it's going to be funny because it's kind of this uh, cognitive dissonance and it's going to be sexy because witches and, you know, the, the openness to talk about whatever you want to talk about and, and sort of, you know, I felt like we were folding in that, enthusiasm and that dedication and that um, excitement that is generated in a tent revival. But we were, you know, keeping the hell out of it. We were, we're, we're orienting that energy and that intention toward empowerment, self healing, responsibility, enjoyment of the body, those sort of things that were, you know, obviously very pagan values and uh yeah it was it was quite a thing and people would come up to us afterward and they would either say um i was raised in that tradition and i was really worried and uncomfortable thinking about coming here but you guys have <laughs> yes. made me feel better about where i came from or people would come up and say i always thought it would be cool to do a thing like that and uh and you've done it so um so thank you for doing it and the revival is a tremendous amount of work. So we haven't done it the past couple of years. You know, our, uh, 
our dust bunny's mother is has been ill and yeah. um everybody's kind of going through some stuff so we haven't well, done I mean, it but one of those I feel things, like it's, you have to be totally focused to really do it i mean you can't have other things going on yeah but I feel like it's one of those ideas whose time has come. So it's just kind of hovering out there in the ether, waiting for somebody to say, okay, yeah, I'll do it. Um, because it is, it's productive. It's powerful. It's energetic and people love it. So yeah, the Gardnerian tent revival would be like going to Catholic church. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I, if it's a tent revival, I would probably go, but um, yeah, yeah. And I, I, I can neither confirm nor deny that completely, but you know, <laughs> there you go. So I've, I've heard you refer to the secret country of yourself work before, and I know that you're doing some mm-hmm. online workshops. Can you tell us about that? Yes. Right now I have a group who is in the second round of the intro part um oh i didn't mention that i'm also doing a three-day retreat at the end of march um a secret country retreat that will help people to you know spend three days in that space digging into these concepts in a in a stronger way but the uh sorry my dogs are going bonkers right now (laughs) i'm closing them out All right. What was the question again? We're talking about your retreat in March. Yes. So the retreat in March um, is going to be an opportunity to spend some time sunk into the the ideas and the principles in a way that will allow people to make greater strides in a shorter amount of time, possibly. Um, Also, I'm working with a group right now who was in their second part. This is what we were talking about in their second half of their online class. So I have two different eight week things that I'm doing. Um, One of them is the intro to the secret country that focuses primarily on the beginning part, becoming a fit traveler, gathering the gear, things like that. Um, And then we visit the sanctuary, the shadow house, the temple and the school. And then in the second part we do through the gates of magic. And when we go through the great, the, through the gates of magic, we're engaging with the, the realms of the classical elements, earth, air, fire, and water. Also we go to the heart of the cosmos into the heart of our world and back into the heart of ourselves. And that's where we finish the journey is there in the heart of ourselves. So, so deep, you know, I like it. It is, it is a bit deep. You know, you know, I have to, have to ask this. Um, How, how is your, how's your blogging doing? Great. (laughs) Just going excellent. Yeah. Don't tell my editor. Yeah, I know. That guy's a jerk. Everyone hates him. He's a jerk. No, I think everyone loves him. Yeah, there's people. Some people do. Some people don't. It, it all it all works out. It's all good. So as as we prepare to close, I know you're teaching a class. You're teaching tonight, I think, right? 
No, I'm not teaching tonight. Okay. I thought when I initially asked you to, to do the show, you said that maybe you were teaching tonight or something. Yes, but, but we got we got pushed out a week because of other scheduling conflicts. Aha. Uh-huh. Or it could just be the winter weather in the Bay Area. I mean, it's probably only 50-some degrees outside, and it's been raining. So, I mean, it is, <laughs> it is dire, dire situation out it here. Or in dire straits, let me tell you. Yeah, it's, uh, I, I hope Ari gets home okay. So if people want to find you, if people want to find you online, where can they do so? They can Google me at genyatbeachy.com. That is the first way to find me. And in going through that gate will lead you to all the other places that I appear on the magical web of the internet. There's lots of places. You're all over. You're like everywhere. So I guess my last question <laughs> is, I, was, I, want, I want to leave on a, a profound note. Uh, so when people finish the book, when people finish The Secret Country of Yourself, what do you want them to get out of reading your book? What I want people to get out of the book is the sense that they are precious, that they are amazing, that they are needed in this world right now, and that all of the parts of life that feel draining or difficult or terrible that they can see those things as a scratching post that the difficulties that we have in this life are ways for us to get stronger and you know I don't mean to imply that people deserve terrible circumstances that sometimes come up in our world but every challenge has the opportunity to make us stronger. And I hope people find that in themselves through this book. Excellent. Jenya, you know, I I love you and adore you. And thank you so much for being on the show tonight. And, you know, at convocation, you're going to have more to do because, you know, you're also going to be forced to be in my Dionysus ritual. Uh, You're just fabulous. And uh, I, I love you so much. And I just, I'm so glad that I know you. I don't usually like gush about people like this. You're just great, Jenya. <laughs> well, thank you. <laughs> you know, and both of us are happily married, so I got nothing to get out of this. It's just, I really like Jenya. <laughs> I feel you. Yeah. So that's my guest, Jenya. Jenya T. Beachy. The book is The Secret Country of Yourself. It came out through Llewellyn. Late last year, you can pick it up at every major bookseller and, of course, at your local bookstore. This is Raise the Horns Radio. I'm Jason. I want to thank Witch School, as always, for letting me do this show, apparently now just once a month. And it's about time for us to be done. And I have to turn things over uh, to the great Pamela Kelly, who has her own show, show called Pam's Porch. You know, and she has a guest who's already here who can, like, talk if she wants. Hi, Ginger. Uh, Hi, so yeah, I'm here. Hi, yeah. Jason. Good show. To, Good show. Welcome to transition time. Thanks for being here. <laughs> I'm Jason. I live in the liminal between podcast shows. <laughs> that's where, that's where you have all the fun, right? 
It is. It is. I get away with a lot in the liminal time. Oh, yeah. Hey, Jenya, I, I oh, have your book. Yes. I'm here. I'm here. Jenya, I have your book, but I haven't read it yet. I'm looking forward to it. So hopefully I can call you up or, or message you. In the, in, I'll give you like a month or so since you just, you just talked to Jason if you want to come come back. Put you on the spot okay. here. Yeah, that's <laughs> great. That sounds great. Hey, do you want to be my guest? I'm going to ask you, like, in front of thousands of people, so you can't say no. She could say no. She could say no. I could talk about the book and say how marvelous it is. So, Jenya, I'm sorry to put you on the guest. (laughs) Pardon? I want to be everyone's guest. There you go. See, there you go. Be my guest. Oh, Don't talk to that, because I... I can throw you out there. Said we've got shows every night. <laughs> oh, speaking of guests, my next live show will be February 28th. Well, I will be talking to Laura Tempest Zakroff about uh, her latest book, Sigil Witchery, and about the co and the book she co-wrote with Jason Mankey, The Witch's Altar. So that's coming up. Who's Sorry, that? it's a liminal time. Hey, who's that guy? He's a he's a <laughs> jerk. He's a hack. I love him. I love him. <laughs> I hope you don't mind using bro witch. I use bro witch in the in the uh, the tease for the show. Yeah, that's fine. Just make sure to buy the shirt. <laughs> I like. Well, talk about the shirt before we we switch flip into my show. Oh yeah. If you haven't already. You can you can visit my store on Etsy, the Pan Mankey store, selling everything Jason Mankey, which is not much. It's just some shirts and some books. But uh, you can order a Bro Witch shirt there, so that's exciting. Or you can buy it at festivals when I'm around. You need to TM that that sucker. <laughs> I'm thinking about it, yeah. Ah, <laughs> uh, well, I think we lost Jenya. Yeah, we did. I lost her in the middle Uh-oh. of the show, actually, so there's quite the uncomfortable moment. So, you know, when you listen... <laughs> when you. Gl- when you listen to it, boss, remember that that wasn't my fault. <laughs> no, I've been there, done that enough myself. <laughs> I've like on on the bad nights, I've warned my guests if I'm not there, just keep on talking. I'll come back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. well, I'm gonna let you go so you can talk to Ginger uh, because I have to cook right. dinner for my wife, being the dutiful husband that I am. Oh, you're sweetheart. Thank you. And I'll, I should have Ginger on one of these days, but I'm not going to put you oh, on the spot like that. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. I'll be, I'll be glad to, Jason. I'm, 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 I'm doing a new album and and I'm doing a coloring book with it, so it's going to be fun. Right. You, know you know who's friends with Ginger and who told me about Ginger is Brian who? Hanky. Oh yeah, Brian. Hanky. Brian, my, oh, yeah. my long-haired brother. Yeah. Oh yes, indeed, yes. Yeah. There you go. We are okay, we are well, close well, knit well, family. Well, Sorry. Uh, <laughs> all right, all both of you have a wonderful show. Okay, thanks, Jason. Thanks, right. Jason. Have a great yeah. night. I'm gonna go ahead all and right. play some Ginger Ackley as we slide into the porch here. I'll, I'll play Moon Lady. I really love that song. Hey, oh, Moon Lady. <laughs> <laughs>
it, yeah, it, I think it was a couple of years ago, maybe a little longer than that. And, and again, it was through Brian Hankey, our association together with that. So. Oh, yeah, it definitely was. He was telling me, oh, there's this person, and she's so amazing, and she has such a great voice, and her name is Ginger. And I, and I know um, Brian, if you haven't checked out Brian's music, Brian Hankey, H-E-N-K-E, uh, and this is for people who are listening, uh, he's, he's an amazing artist as well. And um, you're local with each other, right? You're in the same yes, area. Yes, yeah. In fact, uh, I've just moved up. Uh, closer to him. We're only about 15, 20 minutes away from each other now, so it's a lot of fun. Oh, <laughs> I bet. He, he tells me about, like, his yard and, and a treehouse and stuff like that. Treehouse is amazing. Oh, my gosh, it is so cool up there. It is just, and, I mean, you just feel like you're in a completely different space up there. He's just, he's worked magic into the garden and into the treehouse, and it's Oh, it's so cool. <laughs> yeah, he's told me about it. He's, he's told me about, uh, and I, I've been really jealous, so I, I don't want to invite everybody to Brian's house <laughs> without his permission. But um, but it sounds marvelous. And he's he's talked about uh, about his kids, or his grandkids, I think. And, mm-hmm. um, I'm trying to find a way to segue into into the topic of, of your new album because I think it's it's something that I've thought about doing things like that, but I've never gone and done it. And, and well, that's basically focus on something for the kids. Well, it's 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 been kind of trying to niggle its way up over the last couple of years. Out at uh, festivals like like Summerland and Down in Wisteria and Puff and places like that more and more I I I love playing for all of the people there but there's there's kind of a black hole for the kids they just do they have some people that do crafts with them but nobody really does stuff for the kids and so I started telling people I would do kid stuff as well as grown-up stuff. And you know how spirit and the muse kind of work when you say yes? Yes, <laughs> and I know yeah. that. So I've kind of developed an alter ego, and she's been coming out more and more. And, uh, boy, she really popped out at uh, um, the Three Gates festival this this past year when uh, uh right after the uh pagan music awards and her name is posy she is a pixie she is she's she's not really human she's a pixie and she's very loud and very brash and she likes to dress in sort of conflicting colors <laughs> you might need sunglasses and uh likes makeup but doesn't put it on real well uh, always has a bunch of noisemakers with her, and loves kids. So what what my little pixie posy does is she instigates. She is a fairy instigator, and she she teaches the kids songs. She interacts with them, jokes with them, gives them things to make all kinds of noise with. And then she instigates a parade. And we mark 
en masse around whatever festival we happen to be at, and we challenge all those grown-ups to play with us and to join in with our songs and to join in with our, our merriment because it's really important that the grown-ups remember how cool it was to be a kid. And it's yeah, really it's important. Fun. Yeah, it's really important for the kids to have memories that are awesome. You know, that you know, people people kind of jokingly say, you know, you know that one time at which school? Well, I want <laughs> I want the kids to have that memory early because they are our future. Yeah. And and they are the future of not just our festivals, but they're the future of our spiritual movement as well. Very so so that's that's the energy that came in. Um this this past year I wrote a little song called Child Divine and it came out of wait. I wanna wait huh? on that because I do wanna I do wanna play that at some point. Okay. And I, I okay. do wanna I want to talk a little bit more about about your 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 um, the routine the the act the the pixie that comes through you. I I just wanted when you talked about the parade, I thought, wow, because there's something about parades that makes people kids again, and, and I have to tell you, I have this I. I have this really strange memory that I remember very vividly things from, like, when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. I had this dream that I I would – batons were really big back then. Girls would mm-hmm. have batons, and they would spin them, and I never could spin one. Oh, me neither. I had – oh, I think I did more damage to myself trying to spin it. But uh, – <laughs> I loved my baton, and I had this dream that I was going to lead a parade. And remember those goofy Halloween costumes that we get that had those, like, plastic masks that you couldn't see see out of or breathe in? Right. Yeah, I had I had the drum major at one. That was ah. like, I wanted to lead a parade so bad. And I had this dream back when I was like six years old, seven years old, that I was leading a parade. <laughs> I don't know. And, and I, I was like in my regular clothes, though, and I had my baton, and I wasn't spinning it. <laughs> but all, all these people were following me. And I <laughs> I just, you know, when you said that a parade through the, through the festival or wherever you're at, I was, I think, Honestly, I think there's something very magical about that. And going back to the pixie thing, there's 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 a uh, I I just got chills about ready to say this. There is a it is in in the Fey religion belief uh, in if you follow the 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 mythology of the folklore. That's the word I'm trying mm-hmm. to say. I knew mm-hmm. I kept on saying words. I'd say something yep, that would yep, make yep. sense. The folklore to have that procession, that fairy procession. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of folklore, you know, evidence, if you will, or folkloric talk about that. So I just thought that when you started talking about that, I really connected with that that thought of having a parade. That is so cool. Um, 
how do how do the kids and the and the adults do the adults ever join in? See now that's that's where I give the kids a challenge, and you know we we always try to get the adults to join us, and when when they do, the kids know what a coup it is, and and then they try to get other adults to join in with us too. We've had maybe three or four adults tries. They didn't really know. And then um, um, there was one one girl that that had she had like these real pretty fans with fabric coming off of them, silk coming off of them, and she ran to her tent and she went to get those and gave them to the kids to play with. And um, it just it's it's cool the different levels of participation and the different kinds of smiles you see lighting people's faces up. It's it's. Uh, I mean, even the old curmudgeons, you you can get a, 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 a you know the the glinting eye, the the and the the little tick of a smile coming up at the corner of the mouth, and so you know you you've done the right thing. You know you you did what what you were supposed to do, and the kids are so proud of themselves. Uh, they're just it's it's amazing what it does for the kids, and it really gives them an, an ownership, uh, a, a place in the festival. And because there are a lot of festivals. I think there's getting to be more and more now where there's more of a focus on kids. And, and I'm speaking from, from, you know, hearsay because I I don't usually go out to festivals, but I remember what it was like when I did go to places and the kids were like an afterthought. And I would be like one to go out up and, and teach the kids songs, teach the kids games, and... I think that that's really important to remember the kids in in these in the festivals. Um, speaking magically, we've we've talked a lot on the show with you, with other people, um, musicians, the magic that is in music and how it connects people. Um, mm-hmm. Parades are also that procession is also a way to, to, you know, get everyone connected and to build that energy magically, I think. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, and it's and at the end, when you get everybody cheering and, and all, all of that, it's, it's, you can feel that, that you've raised the energy and, and we, we let it go to the universe and we ground it down to Mother Earth and we just keep it in our hearts and it just and then you know you 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 run across the the same kids at another festival and and you've got like this little secret society thing going and uh you know and you know they want to talk to Posey and I'm I, I put my my finger up to my lips you know you can't she's not here right now but I'll get the message to her and and it's like it becomes a huge joke this wonderful inside thing going and uh the the grown-ups and the the festival organizers are so you'll do it next year, right? <laughs> awesome. <laughs> so it's you know it's been it's been really good and just absolutely enjoyable for everybody. Well, I'm thinking about other people when you started talking about the alter ego, and I think about you know Julia's Chesel Ferry and uh and Gina Mama Gina's uh nine toes of art mm, and mm-hmm. those to be 
you know, I know Nine Toes of Bar, and I know Trestle does do, do some kind of naughty naughtiness too, and it's 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 refreshing to hear of a an alter ego coming out that's more for the kids. Um, and I think going back to the kids thing, we talked about the the parade being magical, and you were talking about trying to get the parents out to play, the the adults out to play. I think we tend to forget, and I try when I lead circles and when I when I get people around. I think we get so wrapped up in when we're doing ritual, making sure we have the right things there, making sure it's a solemn, solemn thing. But I like to play when I do ritual, and there's a lot of energy and a lot of magic in play. And especially when you're a kid, I don't know about you, but I, I did things that, you know, were magical, but I didn't know about it when I was a kid. Mhm. Oh yeah, this it's and that's that's what's been coming through so strongly with this this new album that that I've written. And and it's it's magic and it's ritual, but it's also fun. And it and it deals with the side of us that we way too often ignore as adults. Um, the sometimes, darn it, you just got to get down and play in the mud. You know, don't don't let a good brain puddle go unsplashed. That's just really good for the soul. Yeah, and, and yeah. put put the put the extra whipped cream on that ice cream for gosh sakes, and and you know cuddle up with the blankie in the chair to watch some silly show. We got to feed our child too. Yeah, because that's where the magic starts. And oh, I think indeed. That's what trying to say, I think that's that's what what not necessarily what you're trying to say articulate, but that's what I think that's where you're where you get this connection where spirit is speaking to you to do the work that you're doing is that mm-hmm. when the magic starts. Because I, I listened to your songs that you, you what happened, let me be let me be up front with this, is Ginger every so often Ginger reaches out to me and says, Pam, I'm working on something here. Would you mind listening to it? Never been disappointed. Never been disappointed. <laughs> when you started you reached out to me and said, I wanna do I'm doing this this idea of doing like a children's children's album. Yes. <laughs> and and before I even listened to it I said, Do you want to be on the show? And uh thank you so much for agreeing. I didn't do it like I did with Jenya and in front of everybody and put you on the spot. I feel so bad for doing that. I do. <laughs> I could not have done that. But I'm glad she was very gracious and said yes. Um but the um I listened to the, the songs that you you let me listen to, and and I would love to share them here, but but you're still working on them, so I'm still working on it. You you can share them as long as people understand that they are they are a work in progress. They aren't they aren't finished. I haven't gone into the studio yet with them, but if I mean this is an example of the way the the muse works with me. Um, I. I used to say it was a joke, but it, it's really not because it's it is the truth. The the muse is about three and a half feet tall. She's got dark hair, and bright green eyes, and when she wants my attention, she comes up and kicks me in the shins. So if you ever see me limping, you'll understand why. 
But she, and she will. I'm like, good gosh, she talks to me in in my dream time, and she whispers melodies, and I will pop up out of bed. It doesn't matter what time it is, and I'll have to rush down and, and try to capture the chords or capture the lyrics or capture the something or other uh, somehow. And usually, if I'm getting if I'm getting the melody down, then she'll go, oh, "Okay, you've got that," and she starts shouting the lyrics at me. I have been known to write with both hands on, under siege of the of the muse, um, <laughs> and it, I can't do it otherwise. It's only when that muse magic is going on. Um, but she is she is a relentless taskmistress, and I I love her. And my, my poor husband has learned that I have a a look, apparently, a, a, a expression or a visage or something when the muse is, is on me. And he knows that he's he just needs to make sure that, that I eat and I drink. And, and he lets me know when it's time for bed because I have no sense of time or place or hunger or anything. It's just the, the, the muse period and uh, she she is very very adamant about this album this project and the the kids are so so important so they are <laughs> i want to go ahead and take a take a, a moment here to, to mention that darren uh listens he's, he's a regular listener and i love darren because he participates in chat so if you're listening later, which I appreciate you listening, if you can come and join us when we're live and then join us in chat, we have some really interesting conversations. And I I appreciate so much Darren. Um, Darren wanted to say that he, he's having a hard time getting the sound to load. There's obviously something wrong with Blog Talk Radio tonight. I'm glad we're able to, to talk. I'm 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 not sure, I'm going to be honest with you, Ginger, I'm not sure I'm going to be able to play the song because it's not letting me into that that control. I'm trying. While but Darren wanted to say that he that you're awesome. Oh. <laughs> he said Thank that he you, saw you. Darren, Darren said he saw you with Mama Gina and Burning Sage at the Morgantown Pagan Pride last year. Yes, yes, yes. Oh, that was that was a lot of fun. Very muddy, but but a lot of fun. You know, but you know, you get used to mud when you go to pagan festivals. <laughs> it's, it's part of the the, the experience. <laughs> yes, yes, and it's good for your skin too. Keeps you lo- looking beautiful. <laughs> I I love playing in the mud. I have you know people who have lots of money pay lots of money to 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 soak in mud. And mm-hmm. pagan, I guess when they go to festivals, they do the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> indeed, indeed. Yeah, yeah. I saw a, a, an ad on on Facebook for a, a brand new kind of tent that you can pitch and and float out on a lake with. And I'm going, wow. You know, if we had had that at PSG, we would have woken up two states away. <laughs> That was a crazy, a crazy. Oh, it was. I I can I don't know if you heard the D D D, but that's me trying to call in on the other line. 
uh, okay. while we're talking. So if you hear that from time to time, that, that's me. That's the technical technical difficulties I'm having with, with blog talk tonight. Um, okay. I can just imagine this pagan flotilla, though, because if you did that with that floating tent, everybody would have to lash together, and there would yeah. be this the pagan flotilla. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, boy. <laughs> Look out downstream. Oh. <laughs> I'm, I'm sitting, while I'm talking about this, I'm like, I'm like, Ginger has a song, and I can't play it, obviously. But the one with the, okay, the Miss Wraith. The Miss Wraith. I can't play the song. Oh, no. It, is there someplace I can send it to you? No, no, I have it. I don't have okay. access to it. I can't get into the, into the host. Oh, okay. Okay. It's Blog Talk Radio. It's I don't know. I I shouldn't have made that comment that I did when when I was talking to Jason about you'll lose tons. You know, I asked this. I asked this. The intent was not out there, but it was enough to make this happen. So, but your Miss Race song, I I think that's the one that I I know that's the one that uh. I love the story behind it because it's, you know, it's about camping out and, 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 and a lake and I'm, I'm not going to do it justice. I, I'd like you to and Everyone just go to Ginger Ackley and Ginger Ackley Music, right? Absolutely. GingerAckley.com. GingerAckley.com. And mm-hmm. um, you can check. I don't know how much of your music is out, out there because you've been very kind with giving me. Uh, music, most, yeah, mo- most most of my music is out there and available on that. And uh, the 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 newest music uh, I, I've got in a special little place, and and you need to message me for the the password to it because um, I it it is just in progress. Um, it's it's been less than a week since I started writing this album, so that's that's how new and and I mean. It was. I started one afternoon, and by the next evening, I, I was recording. And they're they're just coming that fast. Your so, music, your oh music. Oh boy! <laughs> Obey the news. Obey. Indeed, her. absolutely. Wouldn't have, have it any other way. You have a number of songs up there. Yeah, uh, Ginger Ackley on Facebook. Um, that's that's how you and I communicate a lot of times. So find mm-hmm. Ginger on Facebook uh, if you're friends with me. Well, if you look at the, if you have the link on the Pagans Tonight Radio Network page that I posted, there's a hyperlink to Ginger on that, so you can click on Ginger. You're pretty easy to reach. So anyone yep. else that wants to find more, um, um, I try now, I try to keep it that way. And that's that's very good for for musicians. For performers, so people can find mm-hmm. you. Um, when I when I promoted this, I I said guest Ginger Ashley, Lark of the Clan, and you've told the story before. But uh, for people who may not, you know, don't want to go looking digging through the archives for the other times that that you've been on, can you explain your your nickname, the Lark of the Clan? Lark of the Clans came about. Um down in Texas, um, I I started out 
playing and singing at Renaissance fairs, mostly just for my friends. Uh, eventually, one of the little fairs hired me, and then that, that kind of started things going. Um, but there was a, a the, the biggest fair, the oldest fair in um, Texas, Texas Renaissance Festival, close to, to uh, Houston. Um, there are people that have been camping out there for you know 30 years. And so there, there are these little camping cliques and camping clubs and groups and stuff. And um, they don't always get along. Uh, some, you know, there's there's a group, there's a group. Um, some may call them brigadoon. Um, they that particular year they were, they they Hold were particularly okay. On, but it's it's feeding back. So let me. Yeah, now we should be good. Go okay. Ahead. Go ahead. Okay, so that particular year, uh, Brigadoon's prank was to run around two different campgrounds and toss firecrackers in their, their campfires, which is, you know, that you can understand how people would get a little perturbed. <laughs> um, at any rate, they had, I played the oblivious little bard, and I would just... I had my auto harp, and I would go from camp to camp to camp. I didn't even know whose camp I was in. I just said, "You want a song?" And I'd go in and sing songs. And eventually, there were there were people that that started following me and followed me into like quote the enemy camp unquote. And people started talking, and and things started getting better. Well, the big the big big guys in in the heavy leather armor they were known as the warriors of chaos and kind of helped be the underground security at the campground and so what i was doing was coming to the notice of of red dragon who was their their leader and uh, so at one point he called me out and uh, into the chaos camp and, and he said, take a knee and then took out this huge sword. I knew he was going to cut my ear off or something, you know, to be the Van Gogh <laughs> musician. But uh, he knighted me as a little harper of chaos and then people from the other camps gave me the name Lark of the Clans. And it was just, it was it was so cool. Um, and I I think that was the the same year that I did my winch training too. So, you know, it was a banner <laughs> year for me. <laughs> yeah, winch training is always fun. Um, oh yeah. Uh, no, I've I've heard I have uh, a friend that used to do uh, some TRF in Sherwood Forest down there, mm-hmm. and I've I've heard about how the the different families, um, the different groups can can be. Um, so here's where music is, is always good to to uh, to smooth the way to make make people. Uh, oh yeah. And, hey, I was able to get in, so I can start playing music. Yay! Yay! <laughs> I was talking about this race, and I I like the story you talk about waking up at the lake and 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 seeing the mist and and I I want to go ahead and play the song, and after the okay. song we'll, we can tell the story. If you don't mind, and then we'll we'll talk more about the children's album. This I is don't mind. <laughs> with my my guest tonight on the porch.
can you dare to listen to the song? What things may come if you try to dance along? Where does the path before you lead? Dance in the mist and you will see. I wanted to play that song is because I love to hear the story behind it and and you're such a good storyteller and this is one of the perks of doing this this show is it's like be my guest tell me a story (laughs) (laughs) well that's what a porch is for right yeah uh well this this that one goes back to Texas as well and um at the time I I was living out in the country and uh, Rob McDormand, who's part of Sentinel Grove now, uh, was was roommating with me at the time. And um, he knew that the fairies liked to play with me. So he, he made me promise solemnly that I would not go through a fairy gate unless he was there because we were both pretty convinced I couldn't find my way back or wouldn't want to probably. So I, I had made this solemn promise. So I I saw something out of the corner of my eye. I went out, and there there was this little lake that we had on the property where the, the horses liked to play. And uh, so I walked out, and I, I kept seeing this glow out on the other side of the lake where the old willow tree was. And it was like in one of those those real funny uh, action movies where they they're walking and then all of a sudden it makes them go real fast and they're they're you know and then and real fast again. Um, that was this mist that was out by the the willow tree that kept coming across the the lake to me, and I just had a real funny feeling about it. And the moon was full and I knew it was a magical night, so I went back in and I said. E, which is what I call Rob, E for enormous Scotsman. He's seven foot tall. Um, so, 
So uh, I said, you really need to come out and look at this. There's something very strange going on here. And he said, yeah, 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 I'll be there in a minute. He had about 20 Yahoo chat windows open at the time. So I said, well, I'm going back out. And he said, well, don't go through any gates. And I said, okay, I won't. I promise. So I go out there and I walk up on the berm. And I knew there was usually a ferry gate over in the woods about 20, 20 feet over. So I knew I was pretty safe on the berm, except this was this was a full moon night, and apparently the energy kind of spread. Oh yeah, and the mist rushed up and surrounded me, and I I swear to you I heard music, and I saw all kinds of beautiful lights, and I so wanted to go, but I had made a promise, a, a very serious promise. I made myself walk backwards. Now, this mist, while I'm, I'm standing, all these lights and stuff that's going on, it feels like there's electricity on my skin. And that's important. Yeah. So I made myself walk backwards all the way back to the house, got in my dad's old chair, and just sat there, and I, I mean, I was vibrating. I was shaking yeah. So E was just across the room from me. He got up, looked right at me or through me, and said, Ginger, Ginger. And he went all through the house. He was calling my name and I I was shaking so hard I couldn't I couldn't even speak. And he said, Ginger, Ginger and he goes and he grabs his staff and he says Oh, she's. You know, I know she's gone out, and she's probably out there trying to dance with a fairy. Rah, 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 and he, so I hear him go outside. I hear him calling my name. I can't do anything. I can't even move. He comes back and he says, he he goes. I I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know what I'm going to tell her kids. You know what? You know, blah, blah, blah. And and finally, at that point, the the vibrations had calmed down enough to where I was sure and, and he jumped about. 10 feet back because he was looking right at me and he couldn't see me until I made that sound. Wow. And that is the story of how Mist Wraith got written because there in the mist, it was waiting for me. <laughs> wow. Oh, that was Oh, that was such a cool place to live out there. Oh, I bet. I bet. It's, it's- it's it's when you open yourself up to that, which you know there's good and bad about that, <laughs> as he's telling your story. Oh uh, yeah. That feeling though, the the lights, the the you know when when the fairies let themselves be known to you, it's 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 pretty darn cool. Thank you mm-hmm. for sharing that. That's oh, that's oh, kind of welcome. <laughs> that's, I love telling stories. I, I love when you tell stories. Um, now we can start talking about Child Divine because because I've got access to. I didn't want to, you know, have you talk about it and say, well, this is the song, and it kind of goes like this without me being able to play it. Um, yeah. Child Divine, you started talking about was the basically the inspiration, the impetus for this children's themed album, which. And I have to tell you, and I'm kind of, this is me putting you on. Tonight's the night I put people on the spot. 
He mm-hmm. sent me a coloring page and said, I think I'm thinking about doing a coloring page with this. And I'm going mm-hmm. to tell you, yes, which I did in chat. In, in <laughs> yes, because I think that that's a great way to, to, to go. Um, I've had, I've asked if you've seen uh, Nat, Natalie Zaman's and Wendy Barton's book, The Color mm-hmm. of Con. I had them as a guest on the show, and I think that their book is um, a great way to teach people, and you can teach kids with it, too, because each coloring coloring page has, like, a a spell or a a meditation or something like that, because when you're singing or playing or coloring, you're learning, but you may not realize you're learning, and it's fun. Oh, absolutely, The, the labyrinth. Uh, the labyrinth is a lot of them are meant meant to be traced with a finger, and and you you do a meditation or you do a spell while you're tracing the labyrinth design with your finger, and that can take you very 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 deep. So coloring yeah. book pages are important. <laughs> Magically delicious. <laughs> they are well, and and. One of the things that I think is really a good idea why why a children's theme album is good because I, I got to listen to the songs and I thought these are really fun and playful ways to teach things to kids, uh, you know, about our ways. And mm-hmm. you know, I, I I run into this mindset sometimes with pagan parents where they're like because because they've had a religion foisted on them that wasn't their choice as they were growing up. So it comes from a, a, a genuine place, I feel. But mm-hmm. they say, I am not going to push that on my children. And, and that's that's honorable. You shouldn't. The child should, you know, when they become old enough, they should make that choice. But mm-hmm. I think you should, you know, you should expose it. You know, I think the children need to be around the teachings to make those choices, because I'm pretty sure there's a good number of pagans who who listen to the stories of the religion they may have been raised with and then realize it wasn't for them, but they still, they had to, they had that foundation before they could make that choice. And, you know, I think a lot of pagans go, man, I, I wish I'd known about this before when I was oh, younger. Yeah. This is a way that, you know, not proselytizing because we don't proselytize, but it's a good way to, to have the kids play and well, listen. This is, and go ahead. Yeah, it, it's, this is the way, I mean, the, I think the right way to do it, number one, for a pagan, the the real preaching any religion does that that makes sense to anyone else is is the the effect of it, how you live your life. You know, I I really want to be like that person. Yeah. Um And and it's the example that speaks far louder than any other sort of teaching. Um, if when you get when the, the the behavior of those around you makes sense, then you want to know more and you want to know why and you want to know how. 
So I think what's important is for the parents and and family to live the kind of way that, that, that gets somebody else's attention, their kids' attention, but also make sure that all of the other stuff, uh, as opposed to the way I grew up, uh, make sure that the, the information on other religions is out there. So that you know, well, what do what do the Buddhists believe? What do the Hindus believe? What you know, the Native American path? What is the you know Catholic or the you know Baptist or whatever? Uh, and don't hide it. Maybe they have. Maybe that person that's growing up is going to need to step into those circles in order to find out certain things. And because of the good background that you've given them, they'll be able to step back out and make good decisions. Um, Let me me put another twist, another spin to this too. I know not, I have four children. Not all four of my children have followed this path, but Mm -hmm. they've all become uh, ambassadors liaisons, if you will, to people who don't follow this path. You know, people mm-hmm. come up and ask, or, or uh, one of my daughters was like a, a counselor at a at a summer camp, and, you know, the girls were like, oh, my mom is a witch, and she does this, this, and this, and my daughter was able to say, no, she doesn't. <laughs> mm-hmm. mm-hmm. So that's one of the other things why it's good to, to have your kids, whether this is the path they choose or not, you know, they mm-hmm. should know. They should know also. You know what we do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, Absolutely, also. and and know what know what the truth is. Yeah. And and not the not the the hype or the the and forgive me for saying it, but the false news aspect of it. Um, yeah. You know, we're 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 not the movie, the craft. You know, that's 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 yeah. not what real pagans do. But you know the, the 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 fantasy aspect of of you know somebody growing up can feed on that. But you know we if we give them the reality of it, they'll they'll get it. They'll get it. Well, and and the thing you know, movies like the 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 craft and practical magic and stuff. I I love practical magic, but and I love to use it as a teaching tool because I say okay. Some of this stuff is real. Some of this stuff is Hollywood. Some mm-hmm. of this stuff is how we do things, and and there are some lessons in there, and some of this stuff is Hollywood. But the only way you're going to know that if you're exposed to it, and you can say, okay, the craft, some of this stuff is, yeah, there is some truth to this. And some of it is, oh, my gosh, are you kidding me? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It, Tell me, tell me about the the child divine and how that how child that divine. Uh, that 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 was another muse moment. Um, it was in the middle of an afternoon, and she just kicked in, um, and all of a sudden, for for whatever reason, in the middle of this little afternoon reverie, I got this really strong question in my mind. I wonder if the Lord and the Lady were ever children. What 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 kind of children would they have been? I mean, I've I've had kids, and I know that sometimes they're angels and sometimes they're not. <laughs> I wonder what sort of hijinks would 
you know, a God and goddess get up to. And I was, yeah, I, I got to thinking about, you know, going into a serious, you know, this serious circle and calling the quarters and that sort of thing and, and thinking about being a child standing outside watching these very serious adults cast this very serious circle. You know, you know the, 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 the grown-ups are out there, but, you know, I'm kind of wondering, where's the fun? And then the song just got written, and, and it came out real bouncy, and it's got a little surprise at the end. And I have had so much fun playing that song for really serious pagans this summer. It's just been an absolute delight. And the source of many giggles. <laughs> well, I thank you for letting me, and I'm going to go ahead and say, you, you've made sure that that, in, in fact, the way that I put it into our, our studio so I can erase it. Mm-hmm. Uh, done, because this is a rough draft. This is not, you know, the fully polished, you know, get Brian Hankey's hands on it. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Um, so I figured, uh, uh, you know, thank you for letting me play it. And I will play Child Divine. And I think exactly what you said, people are going to get a giggle out of it. So this is I Child so. Divine. I hope so, too. I think they will, Ginger. I think you're happy on the porch tonight. can hear the big folks calling on the goddess and the god. But as I sit here thinking, it seems a little odd. And I wonder, yes, I wonder if the deities we laud were ever little children, the goddess and the god. Did the lady ever snuggle with her blankie in a shrine? Did the Lord take out the trash and did he ever whine? Do you think there were celestial corners to spend time? Oh, were they ever children, the folks we call divine? Watch them grow among the godly ranks. Now living in a grown-up world can lead a heart astray. With jobs and chores and so important things to do each day. But think about the children, gods and goddesses at Then let your own life giggle through and have a holy day. 
Then let your own light giggle through and have a holy day. Child of mine. <laughs> Do you have a name for the, the album yet? Well, actually, yeah. I uh, I think I'm ca- going to call it the We Folk Stomp. And, yes. And we- listening to the rest of the album, you know, there's there's a lot of uh, activity. You know, I'm thinking about it. When how many of us know when you're happy and you know it, stomp your hands, and and we we've got those those uh those uh songs that have motions. Mm-hmm. In fact, you do uh, like a hokey pokey. I, in yep. fact, I, I, that's, that's the hocus pocus. Yeah, it's the hocus pocus. I have to say, you know, going back to my classic rock roots, when I saw hocus pocus, I was thinking hocus pocus by Focus, which is a, a rock song with with a killer flute. If you heard, <laughs> if, if you hear it, you'll know what I'm talking about. But it's pretty pretty hardcore. It has like a yodeling guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, and I said, surely that's not what Ginger's going to do. <laughs> this is no, surely it's not. <laughs> but then when, you, no, when it became that's, a hocus-pocus, I thought, that's perfect. Yeah, yeah. the the hocus-pocus is actually the one that, that, that Posey started coming out, the pixie. And uh, that's, she would lead the kids around the festivals, and we'd be singing the hocus-pocus of our lungs, and we'd stop at a vendor or stop at a campsite or, or something like that, and everybody would point and say, tell us the name of a magical instrument, and put them on the spot. And then we'd sing the hocus-pocus about the athame and then march on to the next vendor or whatever. So this one just, that, that one had to be on there. And I'm, yeah. I'm going, I'm going back, and I'm, I'm using a lot of the the melodies I remember as a child, um, like uh, the farmer in the dell uh, has has become the the lady in the wood, and uh, I'm going to do another a different rendition of Twinkle Twinkle Little Star, and. Uh, one of them come and make some magic with me is is the good old Polly Wally Doodle, um, yeah. and and you know these are songs these are sing song things and they are so much fun they make you feel good regardless of what age you are, but these are the kind of songs that help you remember things they they are good teaching instruments. And so where kids might struggle to begin with to say, yeah, I don't, you know, I don't know what, what all the stuff mom and dad use on their altar is called. But by the end of the Hocus Pocus, they know every single one, you know. And um, it's the vendors are holding up things for them to look at. And, and so it's, it's an education, a happy education. Yeah. It, it it is. It's a good. That's what. That's that's what I was. I was. <laughs> I was uh, trying to get at. I I have to say, Darren's able to listen now, so he's like, I have to go back and then listen to when we said hi to him. So we'll say hi to Darren again. Hi, Darren. 
Hi, Darren. <laughs> But, but it is fun, and, and I, I really enjoyed listening to the, the songs that you gave me access to. Again, you know, knowing that they're, they're still the rough, rough draft, rough, rough draft. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, you know, if you want to listen to it, you know, ask Ginger nicely. Maybe she'll let you in, and, and you can catch a, a, a little peek of, of Posey's, Posey's uh, pushiness. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> there you go, indeed. Posey, yeah, Posey's persistence. Um, mm-hmm. When do you, I, I'm like, take my money now, but <laughs> you're on the rock track. <laughs> when, when do you think you might? No, no, no pressure here. When do you think you might be able to have have this album ready for us? Well, as as much as the little muse is pushing, um, I'm hoping. By by summer, maybe by the end of summer, uh, because I I don't want to give an exact date because that invokes Murphy, and we don't want to invoke Murphy. Um, so I'm I'm as I work tonight. But um, I I I will will have to go into the studio to get the the best quality that I can. Uh, but I'm I've got so much of the work that I'm doing ahead of time. I learned so much about the recording and production process when I did my, my last album, Elf King's Horn, with Brian Hankey. Uh the place where he records all of his albums. And I I was taking notes and, and talking with, with the engineer and everybody and so I, I know I'm doing it in the right order this time. And yeah. uh Preserving what needs to preserve so that that I don't have to double or triple my effort. So now I'm hoping, I'm hoping, uh, you know, I, I would like to get it done by by the time I leave for for festivals this summer. Um, it might be, you know, midsummer maybe, uh, but but soon, soon. Okay, so soon without putting you on the spot, I'm going to go ahead and do this <laughs> differently. I'm gonna do this differently than I did with Jenya, which I probably should have put in there. Jenya, <laughs> open invitation for when you get that finished to come back and talk about it. We can present uh, some of the polished songs to people. So oh, you know. yeah, I, I I look forward to that, Pam. I really, really do. I do too. I have to tell tell everybody the story again of of one of the most prized pieces in in my. Uh, CD collection right now. Uh, I remember I was still in Texas. I was about ready to come to North Carolina, and I was—I forgot why we were talking. We we're just chatting, and you're like, "Well, I have to go out tonight. I'm gonna uh, go do something with Richard Thompson." And I'm like, oh, "Shut up!" <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, that was Brian Hankey was opening for Richard Thompson. And he wanted to do several songs that I whistle on. So I ended up going and standing with my own feet on the historic stage in in Kent, Ohio, right. where were Arlo and Janice and Joni and Pete wow. and, you know, Iron Wine and all of the greats, all of the greats went across that stage. 
and, and yeah. as a musician, yeah, the as a musician, I feel it. I I, I can feel yeah. that kind of energy. I mean, the the, the bricks talk to me almost, and uh, so I got to stand up there and play my whistle uh, from the Kent stage. And Richard Thompson heard what Brian was doing and heard what I was doing and commented favorably on it. So that that's wow. more more than I can ask. Uh, I will be I will be I will be returning to the Kent stage with Brian uh, for an awesome uh, duo with the uh, um, Indiana guitar player Michael Kelsey on April twentieth. That wow. is going to be it, Michael won Guitar Mageddon. And he is just that good. I, I have never seen another guitar player like him. And Brian also is is unique in his style. So it's going to be it's going to be quite the outing. And and anyone who doesn't know, I I could say Sir Richard Thompson. He's also extremely well known uh, for the the guitar people. For mm-hmm. you may not know who he is. If you're a Fairport Convention fan, you will know him. Um, and anyone who who I feel is into pagan music, if you don't know Fairport Convention, you'll have to go dig up some some good Fairport Convention stuff because you know Sandy Denny and all the 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 people who who put together Fairport Convention in my book are the, the pioneers of what we call pagan music. Um, Absolutely. Well, they're, so they're, not, they they founded like the folk rock genre, and right. and and they they were they they didn't care about the opinion. They they told the stories and they they put the stuff out there and they they used the different chord progressions and and stepped out of the box and then other people followed them. I've I've been a fan of theirs like forever too. So yeah, we're we're together, yay! <laughs> yeah, there you go. That's your that's your your adult pagan music history lesson for the night. Is go back and learn a little bit about Richard Thompson. But you you got me a, a very coveted item by not only getting me a CD of his. I don't know how the heck you did it. You and Brian did it, but you got him to sign it for me. And I'm that like, was Brian. Wow. That was Brian. Yes, thank you. That was Brian. He doesn't do that. <laughs> but, um, so I, I, I am very much in your depth for that. But anything that I can do to help you with promoting anything that you do, I'm here for you. Um, awesome. Thank you. You talked about that, that one show that you're going to do on the Kent stage. What else do you have planned? Well, um, I I can say that I am very happy to be nominated for the IPMA Female Vocalist of the Year again, the International Pagan Music Association. Um, so I will I will be at their awards uh, again this year. That we're waiting to hear exactly where and when it's supposed to be, but that 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 information be out should be out sometime this week. I hope. Knock on wood. Um, I'm going to be at uh, the Three Gates Festival, uh, which is in um, West Plains, Missouri. Um, let's see. That's going to be that's going to be in June. I'm going to be at Our Haven uh, for Beltane at the end of April, um, and that is just 
for anyone that, that enjoys a really sweet, intimate sort of, of pagan campout festival, our haven is just wonderful. Uh, it is a very close-knit community, and, oh, they take care of people well there. Um, for for my, my, my Celtic folks, uh, if if you're familiar with a, a duo called uh, New Barleycorn, they they're like A-listers. They they go all over the world. They're they're awesome, and uh, they've actually invited me to come up and play whistle with them several times. So if they're playing, I may be there. So uh, it's so we've got Beltane at Our Haven and Three Gates in June. Um, I've got several local local things that that I'm doing. I live in the Cleveland area now. Uh, coming up the 30th of January, I'm going to be at a very cool restaurant called Hatfield's Good Grub, and it's on on Lorraine Avenue, and uh, it's uh, uh, a the gentleman from. Gentleman from North Carolina who who is related to the Hatfields of the Hatfields and McCoys, and this guy does oh oh his brisket oh his pork his pulled pork is amazing, and and it, he doesn't serve hamburgers he serves steak burgers, and he's got like he's built like a little living room area in the front of his restaurant, and that's where I'm going to be playing on the thirtieth from from six thirty to eight. So anybody that wants to join in, bring an instrument, bring a song, whatever, bring it on. We'll we'll just have a jam that night. Um, I'm going to be at the Gathering of the Tribes in September. Um, and uh, there is a, a – Latonia, Ohio is going to have an arts and crafts festival that's going to be run by a group of LARPists. Uh, people that that have have a live action role play uh, called Dragonhold. So we will have magic and arts and crafts. Um, all of these dates are on my website, and uh, I'm I'm updating daily as I get stuff in. So you can follow me there. <laughs> there you go. You know, you were talking about the the guy from North Carolina and his barbecue. North mm-hmm. Carolinians take their barbecue very seriously. Though, oh yes, we have a, we have arguments in our house because you know I just moved here to North Carolina two years ago, and he actually happens to be from Memphis, so we have represented in the household three types of barbecue. You know, oh my! <laughs> so then, well, you know, it had it had to be something for this Texas girl to to taste this North Carolina barbecue sauce and say, you know. Well, I'm already out of Texas, so they can't run me out. <laughs> but but this Hatfield is so good. Uh, if if you're if you're hankering for just some good, oh, they sweet potato pie. Oh my gosh, <laughs> they are just unbelievably good. So yeah, my guy, my guy keeps giving me a hard time about the Texas barbecue, saying Texans have a have this this uh misunderstanding, this misconception that, that uh, barbecue involves things other than pork. And I'm like, yes, you can barbecue anything. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, brisket, you get a good brisket going, but you got to smoke yeah. it right. Yes, definitely, definitely. Yeah. My mouth is watering. 
you know, you got to let me know if you ever come down to North Carolina and we could we could have a Texas barbecue and show these North Carolina. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely, and there there is the possibility uh, because uh, um, certain Byron Ballard has been making noises about yeah. Well, if you ever want to come down this way, so it's okay. <laughs> so we'll just see. Yeah. We'll just see where we'll just see where you know the muse leads me. Well, if you're going down to see Byron, I'm on the way. So Excellent. you got a, a place. You got crash space here. Uh, mm-hmm. You can hang here, and and we can have. We you can actually be on the porch. I have a really nice. Excellent. Room. Excellent, excellent. Um, you know, we, we've talked about different different people that we know in common. Um, my my husband Donovan has been pushing to for me to do an album with with friends, and uh, so we, we've been kind of gathering duets and gathering you know combo pieces and that sort of thing and and Tuatha Day let me play with them they let me play a whole set with them last year at our haven uh, wow. they're good people and mama Gina yeah. uh out at three gates uh last year she came up and she started vocalizing on Gaia's lament and on um on another one um there's an old Appalachian tune, uh, The Day is Past and Gone. It's a very sad, very morbid sort of song, and I kind of rewrote it and, and put different, more positive pagan words to it. And then she started vocalizing on that, and, I mean, it just it raises the goosebumps and just makes you feel so good. And uh, playing on, on his new album, The Raven King, and and so it's just... Wherever the muse places me, she's she's got work for me to do, and and I get to share it with everybody. So you know, watch for me wherever you're going to go to festival, and and you know, magic will happen. <laughs> what can you know? What can I say? <laughs> I I think that the the pagan music community. I mean, I know that there's it's not always going to be everybody. Having uh, you know kumbaya and, and touchy touchy feely stuff, but but for the most part, the pagan music community is amazing with how they work oh, yeah. together. I I I've been very open with my struggles with agoraphobia, but I yeah. I I get so jealous when I hear about these festivals where people like what you just said, playing with Tuatha hanging out and playing with Mama Gina. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's, that's why I feel like I appreciate so much what I hope I give to the community for people who can't get out for us for various reasons or, you know, don't have the ability to go to the different festivals or, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I, I I thank you for coming on, on the show to share share your experiences to help help with other people um, who might be like me, might not like be like me. And to, to also get the word out, because I think, like what you were saying with the children, uh, that's a, a very important, that's a very important work that needs to be done in the pagan community that's been overlooked. And I know, for me growing up, I posted this weird, for some reason it popped in my head last week, this doll I had when I was a, a kid, called Emerald, and it was a witch doll, and it wore, like, a witch outfit, and it had purple skin and green eyes that lit up. 
And mm-hmm. you have your picture yeah. of mm-hmm. witch doll. I was already being drawn to this and, and uh, you know, myths and that's where I learned. And to have an album like this to teach me, uh, the, you want to know my first protection spell I ever learned? What was that? Uh, when I was a kid. And think about it. I think a lot of us learned this protection spell, but maybe we didn't know about it being a protection spell because it was used in church. But this old light of mine. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, it taught me how to shield myself. It taught me mm-hmm. how to, you know, this old light of mine, I'm going to make it shine. And mm-hmm. I know people are probably rolling their eyes saying, ah, that's a church song, but it isn't. It's a protection song. It's energy. It's an energy song, and it, it is. you know that that it doesn't. You can't pin it down to just one church. You it, and I, I will always be. I'm a spiritual person. I'm not a religious person, and right. uh, it seems like every time. I start drawing close to a group and think, oh, you know, that that that, that may be a coven I can trust or, you know, that you know, that looks like a good circle or whatever. Something always happens and and the muse, the goddess, my guardians, you know, whatever you want to call it, just you are solitary. You're eclectic because you're a bard, so you can go in between all of these and you're a teacher so that, that you can go in between all of these and you're not supposed to be for one, you, you, you can speak to all of the different groups, including Christians. Um, right. And, and still seeing the same truth. And, and. The truth is the truth. The truth yeah. is. Well, whatever, however you want to dress it, the truth is the truth. That was I, one of my favorite movies is Mist of Avalon, and I love I love at the end where she looks and she sees that, you know, the goddess is still there. She just is clothed as Mary now, and yeah. and the truth is the truth, and and the energy that we know is the goddess, the energy that we know is the god, and and nature and sky and you know wh- however it is always there. And and regardless of the clothing you put on it, it it is always there and always ready for us to just reach out and touch it. I was never taught that as a child. Uh, that it is spirit and God was something that's far far away, and I was never going to be worthy to communicate. But let me let me tell you something that happened last year at Three Gates, Pam. Um, okay. We we had the kids coming up to our booth, uh, me and my husband, and, and I had all my shakers around there. And, and kids being kids, you know, they'd get into the bag and they'd take the shakers and shake them. And I, I'd play music and then they started singing. And then it sounded like they were doing a really good job of singing. So I went and talked with the, the folks that were running the festival and I said, I know I've got two songs uh, for the, the concert tonight. I want a third. I said, do you, you, you need to give me a third because I've got to have the kids up on stage with me. And they said, well, okay. So I went <laughs> back and I told the kids, you are officially now my goblin band. 
and oh, the looks on their faces, the squeals, because one of the songs that's going to be on on the CD is is one that that I've done for a long time called the Goblin Lads, and and it's about the goblin this this group of goblins that gets tricked by by a bad witch and then and then they have to stop working at night and they have to work out in the sun in the daytime and and it was really a terrible thing and then they get saved by a, a great wizard and and but it's the goblin lads and they stomp stomp and they 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 make sounds and they're crazy and and so this is what the kids the kids were I mean they were stomp 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 shake 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 stomp 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 and just just having a grand glorious wonderful time and so I said well now if you're going to be up on stage with me, I need for you to grasp your 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 parents, your grandparents, whoever you're with. And they, I mean, zoom, they all disappeared like in a heartbeat. And mom, 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 I'm in Ginger's band. I'm in Ginger's band. <laughs> oh, and then came the time for the performance, and we got all of my little goblins together and gave them all their shakers and their noisemakers, and they were up there, and they stomped so hard. I was afraid they were going to stomp the stage in, honestly. <laughs> and uh, Ember was up there, uh, Rowena's husband, and Gina was up there, and the, Ember was drumming, and, and the the kids were up there stomping, and the parents were up there taking pictures, and the kids were so excited. And and I, I ended up getting to do another song with them up on the stage, and that was it was just, you know, it was just perfect, and so they're they're going out and and going through this year, going through the wheel of the year, holding this memory that they got to be in the Goblin Band up on stage, and you know, there's our future. You you know, you you may have sparked. I remember the one thing that got me to want to to be a performer, and it was it was. It was one that could be the one thing for them that mm-hmm. could, them. Yep. and and maybe not necessarily be a performer, but maybe be a goblin. <laughs> yeah, and and you know that as often happens in in pagan groups, not all of these kids were well adjusted. Yeah, you know, some of them, but after that, there was something that made sense, and yeah. and yeah, I. It's just moments like that I wouldn't trade for anything in the entire world. I, just, I know exactly what you're talking it's, it's about. It's letting the magic channel through me. And 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 when magic when magic goes where it will, you know things get changed and they get changed for the better. Um I got croned this this summer uh, out at Summerland. And one of the gifts that I was given is a, a little statue uh, done by an artist named Mary Packard, and it, she's out of the Pueblo. And the name of the statue is The Storyteller. And it's a woman who is telling a story, and she, this is what she does, and you can see all of the stories, there are children coming out of her. So she, yeah. she, is, she, she is dressed in children. And and this was this and that was so. What a deep and abiding gift and and to and thank you you know that that I've 
been able to listen to the muse and and let her reach out and touch people through me. You know, this Story this tellers. is storytellers were the teachers. Storytellers how you got the news. Storytellers are where religion comes from, uh, to be mm-hmm. honest. And mm-hmm. you know, especially when if you follow a Celtic path and a lot of the pagan paths and that's also how we kept our pagan ways. Mm-hmm. Is is stories. We've been able to, to find a way to, to express them in stories and that's part of what your your uh your album does. I wanted to, to to say a couple things. A lot of times when somebody says something that rings, I'll say something about getting chills. But then there's this other feeling I get every so often when somebody says something that really touches me, and it's a much deeper vibration, not just lower, but like it hits me a lot deeper. Like I feel it in my bones type of way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And when you were talking about not belonging to a coven, not belonging to to a, a specific group of people, but being able to, to go from place to place to be kind of like that bridge. That mm-hmm. I I understand that I feel that uh, it, I felt it in my bones. Um, I have that kind <laughs> of feeling, and I wanted to share, if you don't mind. Uh, uh, some people like Joseph Campbell, some people don't, but I love this quote from him when we were talking about the truth is the truth. And I actually have this on my Facebook page. You have to dig for it to find it. But it says, God or goddess, God is a metaphor for mystery that absolutely transcends all human categories of thought. Indeed. And I just thought that was, you know, that rings true to me and hopefully it rings true to, to you know, to you and people listening. Um I have to say something real quick. As Darren was talking about your version of Free Free Bird is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I don't play inside the box. I, I scatter my sand everywhere. <laughs> I don't have Free Bird, but I do have your song Bird That Has Flown. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I, I figured we could end the show on that one. Do you want to talk about that one? <laughs> oh, Bird That Has Flown. That was that was before I met my husband. I will will say this before I met my husband, and you know, it, hearts get broken, and and you know, it's it's you you kind of learn after the fact that uh, love a lot of times is is fun and, and hopeful, and then and then it flies away like a bird. Um, but there's always there's always tomorrow and if and if that if the bird has flown that's a really good indication that that wasn't the one for you so let it go because that that would have been really bad it would have been a a, a bad thing um, like a practical magic the 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 lady that wanted the guy so bad and then and then she ended up being unhappy so you know and it's, if it's, you read if you get a chance to read that book. Uh, practical magic. It's not there. There's not a lot of the same. There's not a lot of of the movie in the book. Yeah. However, that part, what they expanded on in the book, when she uh, when she asked for the spell for the the, the guy to to love her, to only mm-hmm. think of her, the 
it became a curse. You know, yes. he yeah. and, and they go into that far more in that book, Practical yeah. Maddie. So yeah. Um I belong to a Facebook group and this just happened today, so this is synchronicity that that you know, maybe I should share this song with this, this young lady. Uh she was diagnosed with a uh incurable chronic illness that was going to make her life difficult and her boyfriend said that he was good with it and then he said it you know i'm not good with it and of course yeah. he's feeling beaten now he's feeling like oh i'll never find anyone and i said look you don't want to be with somebody like that just for the Amen. sake of being that's so true that's so true so you just make yourself miserable that, there's a reason that this message is out here tonight for somebody. So Always. I feel like Delilah. I feel like no. I feel like I I sense that somebody needs this message tonight. But. <laughs> there you go. There you go. So real quick again, how do people get a hold of you? Um, I am at gingerackley.com. I've got a lot of my music on my website. Uh, you can also find me on Facebook, Ginger Ackley's Music. Um, I am on Reverb Nation. You can hear my music on Pandora Radio uh, and all of the other iTunes and and everything else. And um, absolutely, you can hear my music on on Pagan Radio and and, uh, just about all of its different iterations. And uh, look for me on the road. Uh, Look for me if you're in the Cleveland area. I, I'm out there, and we'll be getting out there even more now. So once the ice melts, <clears throat> you you can you can try to find go back into the archives, and and I know you've been my guest at least twice before. So mm-hmm. uh, there you go, and uh, yeah. <laughs> and, and and if you want to hear the newest music. Uh, get on Facebook or get on on my website and message me, and I will share with you the the, the special little password to get into the place to hear the the new kids albums, and and uh, uh, then you can let me know what you think. I I need to do better on these. So, and I'm gonna go ahead and do a little bit of a tease for one of the songs that we didn't talk about here, since we're talking about birds, the crow song. I like that one too. Ah, the so, crow's tail. Yes. Yes, the crow's tail. So we're talking about the, the story of the crow, not exactly the, the tail on the crow, but <laughs> true. <laughs> Anyhow, uh, thanks again, Ginger, for being my guest. We're going to go ahead and say good night on the porch uh, for tonight, and I look forward to, to hearing that album when it's uh, when it's done. And I'll oh, you will hear it, Sam. And thank you so much. You're such a wonderful, lovely host. It's Oh. I always love being here on your porch. I I thank you so much for being here with me. I I really enjoy, uh, you know, some nights. <laughs> some nights are harder than others. This was an easy night, even with the the problems that I had. <laughs> with Blog Talk Radio. It's always a pleasure to have you. Uh, here we go with Ginger Ackley, Bird That Has Flown, here on Pagans Tonight Radio Network. Have a wonderful night. Well, a lassie is just like a flower. Pretty rose, 
She will bloom in the sun And a laddie is just like a honeybee Stealing kisses and having his fun Shed a tear for the bird that has flown Breathe a sigh for the blossom that's gone Sing a song for the lad with the twinkling eye Say a prayer that the heart finds a home And the bluebird is just like a woman's heart On the wing with a love song she flies In the arms of her lover she dreams at night But the morning sun tells of his life Shed a tear for the bird that has flown Breathe a sigh for the blossom that's gone Sing a song for the lad with the twinkling eye Say a prayer that the heart finds a home Now there once was a laddie who loved me But the joy that I had is undone Like a rose in the fall it has blown away Like a bluebird in winter love's gone Shed a tear for the bird that has flown Breathe a sigh for the blossom that's gone Sing a song for the lad with the twinkling eye. Say a prayer that the heart finds a home. Oh, there's joy to be found in the courting. And there's none if you're standing alone. Well, it's not that I haven't been here before. I just thought that my heart found a home Shed a tear for the bird that has flown Breathe a sigh for the blossom that's gone Sing a song for the lad with the twinkling eye Say a prayer that the heart finds a home Shed a tear for the bird that has flown Breathe a sigh for the blossom that's gone Sing a song for the lad with the twinkling eye Say a prayer that the heart finds a home Say a prayer that the heart finds a home You're listening to Pagans Tonight. Pagans Unite on Pagans Tonight. Many paths, one network. For over five years, we've been the place to connect with the best, brightest, and most trusted voices in the pagan world. Every night is Pagans Tonight. 